everybody, welcome to Low Code Approach. Today, we are joined by the myth, the legend, the always amazing, Eli Common, who is a Microsoft MVP, MCT, and Microsoft Biz Apps Solutions Architect, aka the CRM Ninja, and host of the Oops Factor. EY, how you doing? I'm good, thanks, Sean. How's everything going with you? Oh, everything is fantastic. I, I really appreciate you joining me today. We're actually going to cover a pretty huge topic, and I, I like to like lessen that into a short amount of time because this is a podcast, but we're going to talk about the citizen developer. And, and we know that Power Platform is humongous, and you've got a huge learning curve from you know beginning and building out simple solutions to really building out complex enterprise at-scale solutions. Is there a base layer of technical skills or something that you like to see, you know, a, a citizen developer have when they start going into, or is there a, like a, a ramp up plan or something that you've you've had experience when working with citizen developers? It's a really interesting question, and and just before I get to answering your question, I just want to put the caveat in because organizations hear about citizen developers and they immediately get absolutely creeped out because they worry what's going to happen to all the pro developers. So if all the pro developers listening, right, low code, pro code together, great hashtag, there is a space for everybody within the ecosystem. And in fact, a citizen developer can actually take some of the responsibility off the pro developer and leave pro devs to do what they're doing. Anyhow, in terms of what I what I would like to see all the sort of personas, citizen developers come from all types of different backgrounds. They could be working with SharePoint. They could be working you know, with non-Microsoft systems, they could be working with things like Excel, right, Formula, and they're very used to Formula and macros. It's amazing what they do in that. And then they transfer their skills over because of, you know, the, the code syntax is, is very similar in a lot of ways. But the most important thing, I think, when it comes to citizen developers, and when I'm talking about citizen developers, I'm not just talking about somebody, you know, who wants to create an app to capture, you know, how many miles or kilometers they've run that day or walked or how many steps. I'm talking about people who can enable not just themselves, but their team members in their organization. I don't refer to them as a pro dev because they're not writing heavy, heavy code. Um, but the one skill above all, the one attribute that I look for and I tell organizations to look for is eagerness and willingness. These are people who get excited by trying something new, by I don't care that there's no manual. I'm going to get hands on. I'm going to see what happens if I click this. I'm going to see what happens if I type that. I'm going to try and break it. Well, I'm probably going to break it because um, I've got no idea what I'm doing necessarily, but they keep at it. And I think that that quality, those traits are above all what sets aside a really good citizen developer. They're not just staying within the lines, right? And I've seen so many lines crossed by various citizen developers over the years and, and resulting in some amazing stuff and actually pushing the product further. So yeah, willingness and eagerness to explore and to take what they know and try and pivot it to something different. That you you raise a really good point, right? It's it's that willingness to learn, it's that excitement in 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 working with these new tools and kind of making your job easier, right? Modernizing it. However, those two words strike fear in the hearts of IT admins when they hear that, like you give these new toys <laughs> over to citizen developers. How like there's this huge issue between too much control, you know, stifling the growth of the citizen developer. How does a citizen developer maintain excitement? And, you know, the ability to, to try out these new apps within the guardrails set forth by IT admins and how do IT admins work with their, their citizen developers to make sure that maybe not too many lines are crossed or crossed too far? So <clears throat> the function of a COE or center of excellence 
is very, very important within organizations, when they're, especially when they're looking to scale and you've got hundreds of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of users and a good percentage of those will become citizen developers to, to one extent or another for it. It is important to note there is obviously the Center of Excellence starter toolkit released by Microsoft. When I talk about Center of Excellence, I'm talking about the entire concept, which is backed up by the, the toolkit, which provides some tools, but there's so much more above it. But the way that I like to look at it is, if you think of like an academy or like some countries do for people learning to drive, you need to be a certain age and you need to have a certain amount of experience. But just say, you know, because you're 17 and you get your driving license, you can't get into a Ferrari. You need to do a certain number of hours with an adult present who's already passed, who's got at least two years driving experience. Um, I, I have a motorbike, right? Another reason I'm the CRM ninja. I have a ninja motorbike. It's fabulous. It's been tweaked zero to 60. I'm not going to say what it is, but I've done it. And in the UK, for a motorbike license, you have to go through what they call compulsory basic training, which is they basically, this is how you use it on a little 125cc machine. You have to do that. Then if you're under 25, you have to uh, get to the next level. And then you're allowed a more powerful machine. So not just a scooter, but a proper, you know, a motorbike, but it's limited and restricted until you gain experience with that. So I say to organizations, you know, it's not about just throwing the doors open and saying, right, here, the tools go into whatever you want. That goes into what I refer to as Appageddon, the sprawl of apps. And then once that genie's out the bottle, then you can't really get that back in the bottle. It's about create a structured approach, put your guardrails in place. But base it on your personas. If somebody's just starting, give them access to basic stuff. Once they prove that they can do it, and each organization will work out how they can prove it, you know, whether you take Microsoft certifications or you have an internal learning strategy and people reviewing what you're doing, work out sort of different levels. You can give people more and more access as they prove their capability in order to have that and progress them through. And that will also allow you to work out who's best suited to what type. Because again, even within power platforms, so many different technologies, just because somebody is, you know, an absolute guru or wizard of power automate doesn't mean they're going to be great at creating power apps. So again, it also allows you to go through and assess everybody's strengths and put them appropriately into the right place for them with appropriate security, governance, and all of that wonderful stuff, which of course, um, you know, IT admins are really, really worried about. Yeah, no, it's very true. So you brought up the acronym of COE for Center of Excellence. Talking before with you, you had mentioned another COE, the Center of Enablement. How does uh, that fit in within this picture of, you know, ramping and scaling up your makers? Wow. Uh, well, well, we've got to be brief about this so we can do a separate session to talk more odds with specific, but the way that I see it working is you start off your nucleus is that center of excellence team. I describe it to to everybody in the community and in client organizations as you've got an office block, that center of excellence team are the caretakers to the building, you know, to know which floors allowed access to whom and where the plants need to be watered or not watered and where maintenance needs to be sent. And you need to know what's going on, the extent of your digital estate and who's allowed to do what. And if somebody does something they shouldn't be doing, you know, that they order pizza at 11 o'clock at night to be delivered when you should have a pizza party in the office. They can handle that appropriately. Not all offices like pizza party late at night. That's all, you know, because you could have music going and then disturb other things going on, obviously. However, that's the start. What then happens is they are generally championing, spearheading the adoption of Power Platform within the organization because they own the platform, they have the remit for it. But over time, that's going to develop. They're not going to be the ones responsible for keeping on going through the organization and kicking off projects. They're going to oversee everything. But they're going to essentially give devolved administration and devolved other items in terms of training and other stuff out to business units and then to business teams. And that's where it comes into what we refer to as a center for enablement. You're enabling the business overall 
But instead of turning around and saying, you know, if you've got a team of five people, an organization of, you know, a thousand, instead of saying you have to submit it to the center of excellence team for review and see what doing, let them get on with what they're doing, again, with the appropriate guardrails in place and the appropriate support in place so that everybody knows what's going on. From a licensing point of view, again, function of the center of excellence in conjunction with your traditional M365 admins in terms of the right number of licenses. You don't want people to be doing stuff and then suddenly you discover you've got lots more licenses than you should actually have and obviously you're paying for them. But allow people to do that. Now, that is a structure which evolves over time and it doesn't go, you know, an organization goes, we need power platform and suddenly you have, you know, that massive tiered structure in place with each business unit doing X and Y but not Z doesn't happen like that. It evolves and each organization can be different. So that's what I mean about a center for enablement. First of all, you start off with a center of excellence that puts the standards in place, that puts those guardrails in place, the education, the what is Power Platform? Why do we use Power Platform? Where are the best places in the initial proving the platform, the initial ROI? And then over time, as it percolates through the organization, business units, business teams will then get the tools themselves and be able to start doing more and more for themselves whilst reporting. There is two-way communication between, you know, all the different levels. That makes a lot more sense than what I was thinking. So when a citizen developer or a maker is, is approaching Power Platform or code in general, sometimes, you know, they are excited and they want to build out solutions. Maybe they bite off more than they can chew. When do you think is a good indicator for a maker to maybe take a step back or progress forward in the type of solution that they're building. I've, I've seen it go two ways. Some get you know discouraged with the complexities. Low code is great, but it, there's a lot, there's a lot to learn. Is there any recommendation you have for a maker to know what's that Goldilocks zone to, to build a solution? So that's a really good question. And, and organizations ask this to me when I go in and I talk to them about, you know, Center for Excellence, Center for Enablement and citizen developers and all the rest of that. In my mind, it's sort of three buckets. The first bucket is personal productivity, or what some people refer to as personal product, right? I want to build an app for myself. I can do what I want for myself. Again, I've got an appropriate place to build it. The security controls are in place. That's fine. That's one end of the scale. At the under, other end of the scale, are the enterprise level systems. Those are developed by professional developer teams because they need to think of that enterprise level and scalability and ALM and integration and security and governance and reporting and all that sort of stuff. That's that's the pro dev space where you've got uh, you know, solution architects, you've got technical architects, you've got integration specialists, you've got business analysts. Of course, you've got project managers. Project managers, very important role in all of this, of course. Um, obviously, very agile with Power Platform technology, hopefully. That's the pro dev space. But then you get that middle space, which is where a citizen developer is enabling a couple of people around them, or they're enabling their team, or more advanced citizen developers enabling their business units. Now, in my mind, that space is overseen by the pro devs appropriately on what is going on. So if we think about it, you know, a general citizen developer, they're not going to be used to application lifecycle management, you know, using Azure DevOps, propagating solutions from dev to UAT through to production. They're not necessarily thinking of full integration potentials and uh, master data management strategies. That's in the pro dev space. But the pro devs can't build everything. So the pro devs can oversee and sort of give guidance and mentor. And that, again, will educate the citizen developers in what they're doing and expand their knowledge to get them more and more advanced so they need less and less hands-on time. It can be a bit of a tricky space to work in because nobody likes to be told the way they're doing is not necessarily the best way. And some people take it in one way and some people take it in a very different way. But I always say, don't be afraid to ask. Myself as a solution architect on projects, I ask sometimes the most ridiculous questions because I need to understand what's going on and 
although it may seem ridiculous to most people in the room because they understand the jargon, I have no idea what it is. But don't be afraid to ask and don't be afraid to, you know, your peers or some more experienced people because the real benefit that I see for citizen development, and Satya Nadella referred to this already a couple of years ago when he talked about 500 million apps and then the whole thing and not enough pro developers, right? Citizen developers take, and I alluded to this a few minutes back, uh, the initial onus and responsibility of pro devs. I love pro devs. My background is not a pro dev background at all. I did not come from writing code. I come from tech support and business analyst uh, style background. In order to write code and write code well, you get into a zone. That's what pro devs do. They don't just come in the morning, have their coffee, nine o'clock in the morning, sit down there, right? They're immediately churning out. They get in the zone. They need to work on what did they do yesterday? What's going on? If you think about traditionally, if you need a proof of concept, you whenever you grabbed a pro dev, hopefully somebody that you were on good terms with, it wasn't right, and you got them to do it, which meant they had to get out of the zone, try and work on what you're doing, and then go back in the zone, which all took time. It took away from their productivity. Nine times, nine and a half times out of 10, whatever people were trying to do didn't work out. It would fail for whatever reason, and, and therefore the pro devs really weren't being very productive if you think about it. But the benefit of citizen developers and Power Platform is that first stage gate needs to be shown by the citizen developers. You know, if I as a business team, what is my business requirement? What is the challenge? Can I solve it with Power Platform? Here's a proof of concept. It could be down and dirty. It's not going to be shiny in the final article. But then the business can review it and say, what are your KPIs? What are your ROIs? And the business then does all of that without input from pro devs at all. Once they're happy with it, it can then go over either if needed, if it's an enterprise, it's going to be enterprise level system fully into the pro dev space, or it can go to the advanced citizen developer teams who could be enabling you know, business units overall. They could have a specific advanced sit dev team whose job is just to do it. Um, and again, overseen by the pro devs. Now that makes perfect sense. And, and I'm seeing with the rollout of managed environments for Power Platform, a lot of that ALN concept uh, being automated, right? So you can take more of the enterprise solutions and deploy them with uh, the low code uh, type solution. Um, so, you know, we brought up these two different types of, of audience between pro, to, pro dev and uh, citizen maker. Do you find that low code solutions are a great gateway to understand more of pro dev functions, right? Like not building recursive apps, understanding data types, understanding all the bits that you would need when building out proper solutions from low code, like really good low code solutions all the way to pro dev solutions. Is, is this your, your gateway uh, development platform? It can be. I always say, I don't shop Power Platform down everybody's throats. It's the right tool at the right time for the right purpose. So although you could do, again, proof of concept on something and it works great within Power Platform for what you're trying to prove, if you would scale up to a million users, Power Platform may not be the right answer because in terms of the amount of queries that are going on, the size of the data, the integration needed, so in some ways, it can be a great gateway. In some ways, it can, again, lead to people understanding more and moving more towards that sort of pro dev space if they want to dabble in that. But it's a really, really amazing tool. And I know I've seen so many amazing solutions, both obviously at customers and that I've overseen and implemented, as well as community solutions using the Power Platform for the benefit of others. And and I think it's just amazing as to what it can do. Agreed. Agreed. I've, uh, I've been guilty of using the uh, JavaScript hammer for all of the projects I've had to build before. So you're right. There is a right uh, tool for the right uh, job uh, for every point. So you've done a great job of highlighting community members within Power Platform and really bringing to light you know, the, the works they've done and, and, the, and the effort that they put into the community and contributions. 
Do you have any advice to any makers or anybody, you know, all along the gamut of, of power platform that are coming in that, you know, want to make an impact and get further involved in the community and any recommendations for those individuals? So I have a couple of different things for this. Uh, number one is go and find people who are doing the sort of thing you're interested in on YouTube channels, for instance. There are amazing people out there around Power Automate, around Power Apps, around, yeah, around Power BI. There are so many amazing people. They do videos, they do tutorials. There are people who write blogs as well. Some do videos on YouTube and blogs for it, whatever is their niche for it. Go find and follow those people. That's the first thing because the content out there is amazing. I tell customers, I say, you could create your own playlist of stuff or you could just go onto YouTube and curate a playlist of all of these amazing things that are out there already for you. So that's the first one. Find people using social media that are expert in your space and, and start following them and, and finding what's going on. The second thing is using social media, so items like Twitter, for instance, um, various hashtags. So if you are trying to do something and you don't necessarily know what you're doing, you've come in a stumbling block and you're not a member of WhatsApp groups or any Slack channels, or there's obviously the community forums, which are a great part as well, but hashtag power addicts. There are people around the globe who are essentially monitoring it. And you can tag, obviously, you know, Power Automate or Power Apps for it. But Power Addicts has been around for, uh, you know, some years now. And, and it's amazing the amount of people who can do stuff. So that's following people, finding material and engaging slightly. But my third thing, my third piece of advice is don't be afraid to drop a line to somebody and ask. When I got started in the tech community and I got started specifically with a particular piece of functionality, it wasn't Power Platform, it was Dynamics 365, it was Omnichannel which is I've, I've talked about for some years now and done a massive number of blog posts on and things, right? I reached out to a number of high-profile people in the community around the globe. I had like a, a preset template of text. Um, LinkedIn actually uh, didn't suspend my account but stopped me sending messages for a week because they thought I was spamming on it. Um, but I reached out to people to try and understand what it was. And these are people I had no idea. I didn't know them at all. A couple of them I knew personally. Other, I knew the names of the community or stuff they did. Or I just knew because they had been featured somewhere. So don't be afraid to reach out now. The flip side to that is don't get too annoyed. Don't get annoyed at all if you don't get a response because people are very, very busy. Or if they say they're unable to help you, if, it, you know, if, if you're asking, please design a solution for me, people are going to say no to that. But it's you know, I'm interested in finding out about something. What tips or tricks do you have? People are usually happy with that sort of thing. So those are sort of my three main items that I would suggest with people who are looking to get involved in community. There's obviously their user groups around the globe. Get involved in user group. They're in-person, hybrid, and virtual. Attend events. Talk to people. Make contacts. There are just so many people out there who are absolutely loving the technology and and love to share knowledge. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, that is completely true. There is that steady stream of you know everybody wants everybody to get really good with power across the board and you know a strong community is you know strong and very very cool so ey thank you so much for joining i'm super stoked for our next chat uh this is great i think makers have a lot to think of and a lot of work to put forth to build out some great solutions they definitely need to follow you on linkedin and definitely take a look at sierra ninja and oops factor and I really appreciate all your time on this. Thank you really so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it.